Good morning. Yeah. Praise God. Um, what I'm talking about this morning is about how did Jesus restore? And when you look in the English dictionary, restore is to put or bring back into existence or use, to refresh, rejuvenate, renew, and renovate. It implies a return to the original state after depletion or loss. And I'm going to show us a clip of, from the repair shop who follows that. I believe Kevin Wood. Yeah, so many of us. I really enjoy it, but I can't do anything with wood but dust them. So we'll just um, have a look at the clip and see how Will was able to bring back what is called miracle restoration. Let's watch that for a little while. So what's the history behind this then? Um, it belonged to a family friend of ours, Olive. She lived next door uh, when we were kids. She never married, so we were kind of like her second family. Sadly, um, her house got uh, burgled a couple of times. During one of the uh, burglaries, the side there got um, completely demolished. There's some false drawers, which they obviously didn't realise are actually false drawers and don't open. So they try to force them. I really want to get this surface flat again. Right now, it's just the preparation, getting everything glued back in place, clamped really tightly. I'm just trying to work as much of the glue into the crack as I can. So I've got this uh, piece of wood here, flat piece of wood. The idea is to put the flat piece of wood over the crack and clamp it down from either side. I put some blue tape on one side to prevent the wood from sticking to the glue. But wood that's over a century old isn't as supple as it was in its youth. Now the structure is secure, Will can start repairing the gaping wound. For the final stage, Will's drawing in another skill from his restoration treasure chest, one that will need all his craftsmanship and eye for detail. Yeah, it's pretty intricate, blending in the filler bit by bit, building up the layers with the different parts of the grain. Just trying to work between the different colours of pigment, the orange and the browns, and every sort of colour that you can find in the veneer. Jay? Ooh. What do you think? Nah, no, I have to take yeah, that off to you, again. No, well done. Lovely. Your finest work, mate. Whoa! Gosh, that's really old school, yeah, isn't it? Is. Lovely. I've done a fantastic job on it. I don't know if you can see this. Right from the top all the way to the bottom was this massive crack, half an inch wide. They've done a fantastic job here because you wouldn't be able to tell. It's giving it a whole new lease of life. That's brilliant, yeah. isn't it? Fantastic. Good craftsmanship, isn't it, the way they've been able to do that? So then, are you pleased? Yeah, I'm really pleased. It's lovely, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, no problem. Wow. I'm impressed. Kevin, mark out of 10. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, that was quite impressive. It was actually called a miracle restoration by Will. But in the Bible, when we're talking about restoration, is always in abundance. When something or somebody is restored, it's always better than it was to begin with. 
the story of Job is one we're familiar with and demonstrates God's abundance in restoration. Job lost everything, and God restored his fortune and doubled his previous possessions. The Lord blessed the last part of his life more than the first. That's how God restores. It was good to see something going back to his original state, but with God, it's beyond that. It's abundance. I'm sorry, I'm... I'm yeah. God's promise to us is a better way, a better life, a better future for ourselves and our families, our loved ones. While on earth, Jesus lived a ministry of restoration. Isaiah 61, 1 to 11, which he quoted again in Luke, which Jesus quoted again. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, empowered me to bring good news to the poor, poor in spirit. He has sent me to bind, comfort, and make whole the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God's favor is his act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. Is God's goodwill, his approval. God is for us, not against us. As a young Christian, I was always taught to pray for God's favor. And I believe with God's favor comes the favor of men. Christ comes to proclaim good news to us in a material, emotional, and spiritual longing. It's an all-rounder. With Christ, we have everything. On the spiritual level, Jesus restores us to a right relationship with him through the gift of forgiveness and justification. That means right standing with God. Through his death on the cross, and he rose again. We're going to celebrate Christmas, we're in the Advent period. It restores earthly relationship, and we found families or friends coming together when they became Christians and asked each other for forgiveness. It can restore days and years that has been lost due to the effect of sin. We saw that in Joel 2, 25. It renews life and redeems the future, not just here, but for eternity. Our future is secure in him. Jesus' mission was of restoration because he knew how humanity was meant to be. All things were made through him. He restored sight to the blind, ability to walk to the crippled, the paralyzed, hearing to the deaf, the dumb spoke, new skin to the lepers, dead came back to life, withered hands restored. He did not just heal a condition, he actually restored the life, the security, and hope for the future. Other times, he restored people in the way they did not know could be changed. Some people don't think they need restoration. The woman, Samaritan woman that went to the well, was just a regular day going to the well to fetch water till she met Jesus and everything changed. In the Bible's names were changed as destinies were changed. Abraham to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul. We read in the Bible the story of Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10, 
He did not change his name. His, made, his name meant pain. His mother named him pain. How? You know, for whatever reason. But he cried out to the Lord. And we sometimes pray with it, oh, that you may bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand will be upon me. And he prayed because he didn't like the name that was given. Why we may not receive any name when we come to, a new name when we come to Christ, we receive a new identity. I've heard of Christians who change their names, believing God for a new beginning in him. And I believe you did as well. Yeah. Behold, the old has passed and the new is here. That is what Christ told us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new is here. The song that says, I'm a new creation, no more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. Is all by his grace. Is all by the empowering of a holy one to make us who he wants us to be. Christ brings back to life. When we are not in Christ, we are spiritually dead. Dead man walking, which is a term used in American prison system for those on death row. That's what we are if we don't have Christ in us. The power that raised Christ to life is in us by his Holy Spirit. When we ask Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit helps us to live as we should. It's quite difficult to do it by yourself. And so there's no one here that says, you know what, I'm good enough, I know how to live, I can get on with it. Without Christ, we're fooling ourselves. We can overcome every weakness or shortcomings when we ask for his help and trust him for the strength and grace to grow through. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. God is close to those whose hearts, feelings, or emotions have been broken, who are hurting emotionally. Due to whatever may be happening now, due to loss of a loved one, due to disappointment through life, whether someone let you down or whatever it may be, God is willing to restore, to bring healing if we turn to him. We can ask him for whatever we need, the strength, the peace, wisdom. Whatever we need, we can turn to him, trusting in him to do it. Turning away from trusting in our own abilities. We can ask God into any situation, alone or with others. Read the word of God and desire to do it God's way. We can find out what God says about any situation Good news for everyone, which I had to move away from Gideon's Bible, but good news for everyone's Bible has pages with life situation and God's promises of hope. We've sang so many songs of hope this morning. I want to say thank you so much for the, the, the worship. It's amazing to be in the presence of God, trusting in his word. God understands our pain, our loss, and wants to, us to know he's near. And he cares. Hebrews 4.15, he says he's touched by the feeling of our weaknesses, of our infirmities. As a young Christian, I used to think, God, do you really understand? And in so many ways, there's never any time he has not shown me he does care. 
So whatever we may be going through, you may think, well, God, did you actually go through this? He did. He knows and he cares. Whatever we are going through, Jesus Christ loves us more than we could ever imagine. And he's praying for us. This morning, we have two contrasting stories of restoration. And I'll start with the one in Mark 5. The man with evil or impure spirit. He was frankly mad. He was demon-possessed, and this has distorted and destroyed the man's relationship with his fellow humans and with God. He lived in terms away from others. No one could come near him. He said no one was strong enough to subdue him. He cuts himself and cries night and day. No rest, no peace, no hope. His community has given up on him. When he saw Jesus, he ran to him and fell on his knees in front of him, not in submission, but in fear, defiance, and rebellion against God. You can contrast that story to that of blind Bartimaeus, who, when he knew Jesus was in town, shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people even told him, be quiet. What did he do? He shouted loud. And when Jesus called him up, he said, what would you have me do for you? He said, so I may receive my sight. But here this man was saying, Jesus, son of the most high God, why are you interfering with my life? I don't want anything to do with you. In God's name, don't torture me. Jesus was not there to torture him, but to set him free from his oppression. But the deception and lies of the enemy made him think so. And we still have people today who still think a relationship with Christ enslaves, brings limitation and inability to enjoy their lives. They would rather choose autonomy and self-will leading to destruction over Christ's loving relationship and leadership. They reject forgiveness, healing from sin, and true freedom. That choice has eternal implication and consequence. The name of the evil spirit was Legion because it says we are many. And they went into about 2,000 pigs. Even if it's one per pig. Can you imagine? One man oppressed by over 2,000 demons. What freedom for a single man. A life restored to wholeness. The man was sitting down dressed and is in his right mind. But his community were not impressed. And what did they say? Jesus, please leave. A restored life is a life of commission. That man wanted to follow Jesus, but he told him, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And the man did so. The second story is about Simon, son of John, who denied Jesus three times. Jesus was not told about the denial. He heard him and turned back and looked at him. Jesus already knew that was going to happen. But Peter was so sure of himself. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. 
But as soon as he realized what he did, he wept bitterly. He regretted it. But then he thought himself completely worthless. The Lord cannot use me again. Have you been in that situation? Said or done something that you think I've done it, there's no way back. In this day of social media, once you press that button, it's gone. And it's gone viral, they say. Maybe something big, maybe something small, a habit or weakness, anger, lies, gossip, being inconsiderate. The Holy Spirit keeps reminding me when I'm in traffic going to Newcastle, heavy traffic, after Washington. Ooh. And the Holy Spirit keeps on saying, hey. <laughs> and even now, God is working on us all. You know you should have done better or reacted better, but you struggle to. It may be something you consider huge. I want to remind us, nothing is beyond God's forgiveness and restoration power. That is why Jesus came. He died and he rose again for this purpose. Simon, son of John, was named Peter. And Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. He was called to be a fisher of men, but decided in the chapter we read to go fish, fishing. But he, not, he did not only take himself, he took all the disciples with him. Thomas, Nathaniel, son of the Zebedee, and two other disciples. There were six in number. And when I was reading this, it actually dawned on me, we have to be careful about the decision we think we're making for ourselves. Because it has impact on others who look up to us for one reason or the other. These men followed Peter. when he said, let's go fishing. But that night, they caught nothing. Early morning, Jesus stood on the shore and called out friends. Reading through the scripture, I've read this passage many times, but the word friend struck me. Peter thought he had failed beyond redemption. He returned to his old occupation. God will have no use for me, he thought, after what I've done. And he took his friends down the same route, but Jesus will have none of it. Once we give our lives to Christ, no matter what we've done, contrary to his ways, how much we think we have failed him or still failing him, he's standing at the shore and calling, come back. We can do this together. Friends, you can get back on track. His questions to Simon, do you love me more than this? Do you love me? People say that he did it three times because... He denied him three times. But he called him back to where he wanted him. Back to a fisher of men. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What has God called us to? Each one of us will have a calling. You may not want to call it that. But each of us has a place God wants us to be. The demon-possessed man went and shared the story, and people were amazed. 
They never told us if the people of that part turned back to God. But the story of that man opened the door to their hearts and minds to consider what the Lord had done. And this goes for each one of us. I can remember thinking to myself, well, I don't have a mega story to tell. You know, I wasn't into drugs and God saved me. And if not by the grace of God, when my friends did tell me about Christianity, I told them, you know what, I'm good enough. I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, so it should be okay. But that's not it. A life without Christ is no life at all. No matter how good we may think we are, without Christ, we know where it ends. But Christ is here to restore us all. We all need restoration. We all need coming back to him. I learned over the years that my stories, no matter how small, could be impactful. We do our bits and let God do the rest. God has a purpose for each one of us. Before we were born, he told Jeremiah, in your mother's womb, I have set you apart. I want to tell us this morning, I tell myself that as well, no matter how I see myself sometimes, God has a plan. God has a purpose. From the young to the older ones. So this morning, as we reflect on these two contrasting stories of how Jesus restored the man with the unclean spirit, who met Jesus for the first time when he got out of the boat, and the life of Simon Peter, a long-standing disciple of Jesus, who denied him because of fear. I want to remind us that Jesus Christ, the restorer, does not just renew. It was quite good, the clip we watched. It was impressive. If they've given me that cabinet, I'd have chucked it out, you know. <laughs> but with Christ, it does not just renew to the original state, but improves on what was, and there's nothing, I want to say nothing, impossible with him. While we were praying before the service, God actually impressed on me that some of us are standing in the gap for restoration for our families. And we can do that. We can ask and pray for God to restore families. This morning, what do we need Jesus to restore to make better than they are? Let us bring this to him because nothing is too small or too big to ask of him. Thank you.